0: Sugarcoat shit. (laughs) This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio, fellas, didn't get what you were hoping for from Santa Claus this year? Looking to add a little spice to things in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about an adventurous new adult toy or movie? Well, then we have an offer that you won't be able to resist. Go to ToysForPleasure.Vegas. And, for a limited time, you'll get 20% off store-wide, and we'll even throw in free shipping for any order above $100. And no, we're not teasing. So, check out ToysForPleasure.Vegas today, and use special offer code BABE69 upon checkout, and make sure all your adult fantasies come true with ToysForPleasure.Vegas today. Remember, Use offer code BABE69 that's B A B E 6 9 to receive a 20% discount on your entire order and give the gift that Santa forgot to give this year. Warning, the content you're about to hear contains spoilers. So if you have not watched the show, movie or read the book in question, Turn off your radio now because there are spoilers. Spoilers ahead! Warning, warning, Danger Will Robinson. Spoilers ahead! Don't say you haven't been warned. Hello, 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 and welcome back, Renegade Nation. It's me. Naughty Nicole, and it's time for another Renegade review. And this time around, well, we're focusing on a movie I expected to mostly like and ended up, well, mostly liking. <laughs> now, I acknowledge I'm an easy mark for exactly this type of movie. When a movie opens up to lost islands, hidden civilizations, and hollow earth theory, well, chances are fairly good. I'm going to be one of the first people in line. Now, if said film also decides to include a giant monster, huh, well, you better believe I'm totes on board. So you can imagine how I was salivating like a horny teenage boy getting my first look at boobies when I found out Kong Skull Island was going to be coming out. That's right, folks, we're looking at Kong Skull Island. Now, much like The Lord of the Rings is fantasy nerdvana, well, Kong is, that's right, you guessed it, king of the monster movies. And my tiny black dork heart was all a Twitter when I found out that this wasn't going to be a repackaging or sequel to 2005's Peter Jackson attempt. And by the way, Mr. Jackson gets a complete pass on that one because, well, Lord of the Rings. But this is rather a complete rebooting of the franchise to fill our geeky little hearts with its big-ass AP goodness. Now, admittedly, when Gareth Edwards' Godzilla hit the big screens back in 2014, the two biggest major complaints were that, one, there wasn't enough monster action, and two, the human characters, well, barely registered on screen. And three years later, Kong Skull Island emerges to correct, well, at least one of these issues outright. Now, I was very much on board with Kong Skull Island. I mean, it's not a great film, but it's a pretty decent one. Most important of all, it delivers on the premise. Yes! It's well directed, the cast performs admirably, and it's clear, well before we get to the obligatory post credit scene, that the world-building is seriously lacking, but this movie holds it together for one hell of a creature feature. The movie itself doesn't drag or rush to cram in too many set pieces, which already puts it heads and shoulders above most of the other big FX-driven blockbusters we've been prone to lately. And I'm going to admit, it didn't hurt any that the theater that I went to see it in had recliner seats and served alcohol. But the film does run into some problems on the human level. But there's no way to accuse this adventure story of skimping when it came to the awe-inspiring monster battles. And it helps that the setup is pretty novel. This isn't a sequel to King Kong, so much as it's a reworking of the basic setup. It's still the early 70s in the last days of the Vietnam War instead of the 1930s, and Kong is an unambiguous good guy instead of a monster we can kind of get behind. You know, if we overlook all the women that he was all apparently perfectly okay having sacrificed to him until he finally got to, well, the blonde one. And the whole Beauty and the Beast quasi-romance thing is 99% gone from the story to make room for more action and monster mayhem. Thank you, Hollywood. Finally, someone has heard my pleas. So, Kong Skull Island opens during World War II, and we see two pilots, one American and one Japanese, both crash land on a foreboding remote island to continue their fight on the ground until, well, a bigger menace arrives to put things in perspective for them. From there, the film skips to 1973, and cue the awesome wall-to-wall classic rock soundtrack, and, well, another conflict. The Vietnam War is coming to a close, and a man named William Randa, played by John Goodman, sees this as a perfect time to get the government to fund his expedition to that same said mysterious island. The basic idea is that John Goodman is the founder of Still Budding Monarch, a shadowy quasi-government agency dedicated to monster hunting. In case you also forgot everything that happened before the final ten minutes of Godzilla, who wants to prove that giant monsters are actually a thing and believes that the newly discovered Skull Island is the place to go looking. So, Randa recruits a now-out-of-work military helicopter squadron for the mission, led by Colonel Packard, played by one Samuel L. motherfucking Jackson, while also bringing along a team of scientists, a wartime photojournalist by the name of Weaver, portrayed by Brie Larson, and a former soldier turned tracker-for-hire named Conrad, played by the enormously talented Tom Hiddleston. No sooner do they get to the island, flying perilously through a wall of electrical storms to get there, and by the way, telling the the flight of Icarus during that, probably not the best way to put people at ease. Just saying. It is then that they finally encounter the title character, who stands hundreds of feet tall and, in an outlandish yet massively thrilling action sequence, swats the attacking helicopters out of the air, oh, like so many flies. What these adventurers don't realize is that Skull Island is actually an access point to an underground lair of giant man-eating lizards held in check only by the island's alpha predator, Protector Kong. So, when the army shows up to agitate things, he attacks them, of course, and everyone winds up in scatter teams all trying to get to the same extraction point. They hence must make their way across the island to reach a pre-scheduled rendezvous point for pickup, while discovering along the way that Kong, well, isn't the only danger they face. Despite the backdrop of the Vietnam conflict and the inevitable moral lessons regarding humanity's relationship to nature, and that's, by the way, personified by Larson's photographer, who begins to feel for the big ape while refreshingly avoiding most of that Beauty and the Beast crap trappings of previous Kong movies, Voight-Roberts keeps a playful tone throughout the movie that's best exemplified by John C. Riley as Hank Marlowe who is one of those pilots who's been stranded on the island for a while, who cheerfully informs his would-be rescuers that they're not going to make it off of Skull Island alive. (laughs) Riley easily steals the picture from his colleagues, giving Marlowe a lot of heart while gleefully delivering most of the best lines of the movie. Even if Riley comes off the best, his fellow principals all manage to make the script work in their favor as well, even if some of them use their sheer talent to make characters that might have been thin on the page come to life. I'm talking to you, Hiddleston. Hiddleston invests his Conrad with a nice, mercenary attitude and formidable physical prowess, while the character also gets a satisfying and believable emotional arc. Goodman handles a lot of the early exposition, but there's no one you want doing that more than him. Well, maybe Samuel L. Jackson, but that's just me. Now, Jackson takes the kind of role that he's played oh so many times before, and yet still finds a way to make it entertaining, even if his Packard goes a bit more over the top than the others. Supporting players like Shea, Wingham, Jason Mitchell, and Jing Tian, who has already seen her share of monsters with a more substantial role in The Great Wall, all make it through without embarrassment, although a subplot involving one secondary character proves completely superfluous to the story. The main character, however, is right there in the title, and I promise you this, he does not disappoint. Clearly dwarfing all previous iterations of the beast, this Kong wanders his domain like a lonely king, content to wrest giant octopus-like creatures out of the island's lakes and wrestle with them a bit before chowing down, which by the way, ew, it was gross. He ultimately may not be as poignant as the version we saw in Peter Jackson's 2005 King Kong, but we come to empathize with him as we learn about his lineage and that he protects the island's primitive human inhabitants from some truly nightmarish underground dwellers that Riley dubs skull crawlers. You really don't want to know why. The skull crawlers are at the center of some of the movie's most intense action pieces, and the plentiful must- monster action and colossal battle scenes are what really drive this movie. The fact that the hum- human characters, the story, and the overall pacing and tone are all handled incredibly well is just a pleasant bonus. Above all, the movie is fun! It's hard to say whether it will linger in your memory very long, but it will keep you glued to your seat, and yes, make sure you stay until the very end because there is some post-credits business to take care of, my friends. Sorry, Godzilla, but Kong has the edge for now, even if it is apey goodness. Still, I can't deny it was a fun movie, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, even if there isn't much to it. And I can safely say that if I'd seen it when I was 8 years old, I probably would have watched it about 50 more times. Now for the things that I feel weigh the picture down, or as I like to call it, you're lucky they were serving me Guinness all night to watch this crap. First of all, the cast is way too large for a movie of Skull Island's scope and length. At one point, the film follows three different groups of survivors as they all try to escape the island simultaneously. Honestly, I was hoping for them to die off. Just me. The film is at its best, at its simplest, Kong kicking monster butt, or the human heroes fighting for their lives in a boneyard filled with poisonous, flammable gas. In this way, Kong Skull Island faithfully follows in the enormous footsteps of 2014's Godzilla, in which the only three-dimensional character was the fire-breathing dinosaur at its center. Skull Island is intended as a prequel to Godzilla and a lead-in to the eventual Godzilla vs. Kong picture, which, seriously, I'm already salivating for. In another Kong, Brie Larson's character would have served as the ape's crush and the conduit to the warm heart beneath his rugged furry exterior. Apart from a few sideways glances, Kong doesn't seem to show much interest in Skull Eyelids' heroine. Neither, for that matter, does the rest of the movie. Larson mostly stands around admiring Hiddleston's luxurious hair and, well, taking pictures. It's another classic example of an Oscar winner immediately cashing in on their award with a lucrative gig that is way beneath their talents, but that's okay. And there are way too many members of Sam Jackson's unit. And honestly, if you count the helicopters on the boat before they leave, and the helicopters that they in in turn actually use in the movie, somebody needs to do some math there. But that's just me. Anyways, there are way too many members of, of that military unit. At least, it's vaguely clear who those guys are and what they're supposed to be doing. The same can't be said for the woman played by Jing Tian. She shows up, without any introduction or explanation, in the middle of a key early scene, and then remains a main character throughout the rest of the film. It's truly baffling, seriously. It's almost as baffling as how Hiddleston's clothes remain rip-free, sweat-free, dry, and absolutely perfectly pressed. Hell, he never even untucks. I just want to know what kind of Simonizing that they used for him, because I could seriously use some of that. I know, I know. It's that unicorn magic that only Tom Hiddleston can do. But seriously, share, dude. Seriously, somebody get Hiddleston on the phone and get me that answer. Seriously, I will pay money for that. Anyways. Also, this was a personal pet peeve. Record players. Seriously? In the Vietnam War? Radio just didn't reflect the preferences of most soldiers the status symbol among GIs was the tape recorder that's right you heard me tape recorders not record players you know why because vinyl wouldn't have survived the harsh conditions in Vietnam and guess what most GIs wouldn't have carried them around cassette tapes either brought from home or purchased on leave were the most popular medium for music in Vietnam The tape players were small, battery-operated, highly portable, and therefore easily carried into the field. And vinyl? Well, guess what? It breaks! And guess what? If you sit it next to something hot, it melts! On that note, anyone who has ever endured the Armed Forces Network will tell you that music, television, and movies... Are usually five to ten years behind the popular trends. So for me, putting so much music music that was from 68 to 72 made for an amazing soundtrack, no doubt. But it was incredibly distracting to purists like me. And by the way, just as a side note, the song Brother was recorded by George Ben Jor, didn't come out until 1974. Your movie's set in 1973. Get on the fucking page. Lastly, Yes, there is a post credit sequence, it will likely please hardcore fans of this emerging cinematic universe like myself, but I'm not sure that it entirely makes sense when held alongside the scene that immediately precedes it. That's right, they take a page out of Marvel's playbook to include an extra scene that connects the movie to a bigger cinematic universe, and here's what happens in that post credit scene. As the Skull Island's credit roll, we see that James Conrad and Mason Weaver are being held captive by Monarch, the movie's secret government. Larson, if you're paying attention. Monarch was also part of the two f- 2014 Godzilla, and Skull Island's post-credit scene starts in Brooks and San, which were also on the island, came into the room where Mason and James are being interrogated and tell them there are more giant monsters. Really, like we didn't guess that. They show Mason and James some images of what look like cave paintings of Godzilla. That's right, and I'm gonna—you know—I got to do it. Godzilla. Okay, that's that's enough of that silliness. But also some of Godzilla's biggest enemies and allies, including Mothra, the giant moth with energy beams; Rodan, a pterodon, who can fly at amazing speeds; and King Ghidorah, a three-headed dragon, and my personal favorite. The scene then cuts to black as you hear Godzilla's signature roar. Yes... My friends, this is a tease for Warner Brothers' upcoming Godzilla King of Monsters. The sequel to Godzilla, which is slated for a 2019 release. The plot and full monster roster of Godzilla King of Monsters has previously been kept under wraps. Though it was announced in 2014 that Legendary, the series production company, had purchased the rights to Godzilla classic monster trio Mothra, Rodan, and King Ghidorah from Japanese studio Toho. The post credit scene adds credence to that three year old promise while also setting the table for the 2020 showdown known as Godzilla vs. Kong, where the giant radioactive lizard and the colossal ape will finally face off. When you see it, and that's the post credit scenes, you tell me if I'm wrong. So to sum it up yay, Kong! Seriously awesome effects. John C. Riley is a national treasure. Someone call Hiddleston and find out why he never sweats or even gets wet, or even gets dirty. The soundtrack rocked, even if it's a little out of place, and Samuel L. motherfucking Jackson. In case you didn't guess it, I loved, 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 loved this movie. Alright, Renegade Nation, catch us next time, and if you like this review, or if you have a comment, don't forget to send us a like, or post that comment for me. Got a show, a movie, or a book that you want us to review? Let us know. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm going to do it or that any of us will do it, but let us know because we want to make fun of you and mock you on air. See you next time, my Renegade Nation, on Renegade Reviews. We don't sugarcoat shit. (laughs) This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.